Uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings. Now, I wonder tonight, you know, sometimes we, uh, we get to a point where we, uh, what's the old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And uh, I, I pray that we never hold a contempt for any of God's people that we, we read of in the Word of God. In other words, we should never get tired of looking at God's people that we read of in the Word of God. Now, we're going to look at Elijah just very briefly tonight. And I know of one person, I believe, that really held him in contempt, and that was Ahab. And we're going to read a little bit about Ahab here, but then we're going to move on, and we're going to read more about what took place in the life of Elijah here. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 through 33, it says, In the 30th and 8th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as, as it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal. Now that word Baal can be pronounced Baal as well, and worshiped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now we keep reading, and we go right on into the uh, uh, next chapter. I believe there's two other verses. We're not going to read those in chapter 16. We're going to go over now to 1 Kings chapter 17 and look at verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, of course, Ahab would want to kill Elijah for this. Well, what would Elijah do? How could Elijah survive? And we find the answer as we keep reading in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2 through 4. And the word of the Lord came unto him, this is came unto Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I do not believe that the ravens would have fed Elijah anywhere else except there. 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 9 through 10 continues on. Arise, God tells Elijah, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. I do not believe that the widow woman would have been anywhere else but there. Now, God did not tell Elijah to go rambling around. He didn't tell him to go where he pleased. He told Elijah to go where he wanted him to go. 
Elijah went. And I want you to notice tonight that there was the place of God's purpose for Elijah. There was the place of God's power for Elijah. And there was the place of God's provision for Elijah. And just before we look into this tonight, let me say that the title that I've entitled this is, Are You There? Are You There? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege, once again, of being able to stand and proclaim your word. Father, I thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin. I thank you for the blood of Christ that makes it possible for anyone and everyone in this world to go to heaven to be with you. I thank you, Lord, that you have not left us alone, but you've given us the Holy Spirit of promise. You've given us the Holy Spirit that he would guide and direct us. And I ask tonight that that Holy Spirit would guide and direct our minds and our hearts as we look into your word, for it's your word, Lord, that does the job. And I thank you for that tonight, knowing that we do not stand in our own power, but we stand in the might that you have given us, the power that you have given us. Father, I pray that each of us would be there. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there, first of all, as we look at this section of Scripture, there was the place of God's purpose. And did you know that God has a place? He has a there for you. Somewhere he wants you to be. Something he wants you to do. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, God has a place for you, and you need to be there. You can never be truly happy elsewhere other than there. You cannot please God anywhere else but there. You may do lovely things. You may become a success in this life, but always there will be the haunting sense of having chosen life's second best. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul the Apostle said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need to do that in our lives. We need to let people know that we're pressing toward that mark. Not only the unsafe people of this world, but we need to let our loved ones know. We need to let our brothers and sisters know that we're pressing toward the mark. We're not going to give up. We want to be there. However, many of Earth's awards, certificates, crowns that we may gain, if we miss the reward of God's approval, what is that? It's the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If we miss that, we're going to feel at the close of our day that we would gladly give them all for hearing the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Many times we get the, the idea that we have to wait to get to heaven to enter into the joy of God. But the joy of God is right here. When we're doing what he wants us to do, when we listen to his voice, he's going to tell us, enter in. He's going to say, enter in thou into the joy of thy Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When I enter into the joy of the Lord, and when I realize that he is my strength, and that I hear him saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're there. You're there. Woodrow Wilson, 28th president of the United States. I think Brother Gary was there. Brother Gary Nero, I think he knew him. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, president of the United States, spoke of being defeated by one's secondary successes. 
We are defeated when we choose our own way. Whatever we may attain, uh, we miss the purpose of God if we're going our own way. But we need to go God's way. I want you to know something else about there. The place of blessing is there. When Jacob wandered, he left Bethel. He wandered away from there. Trouble descended upon him at uh, Salem. God commanded him this way. God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make thee an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Genesis 35.1 says that sometimes when we, we call it a revival here, sometimes when we have a revival, we come to the altar and we throw ourselves to the mercy of God and we say, Oh God, I'm giving myself to you. And then we get up and sometimes we leave the revival right there at the altar. Sometimes we forget about that. We don't dwell there. I don't mean you have to stay up here constantly at the altar. What I'm saying is when you make a commitment to God, you need to keep that commitment. Amen. You need to dwell at Bethel. The old song says, Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You could only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. We need to yield ourselves to God constantly. Notice something else about there. There is not an instance of some emotional experience. There is simply the place of God's will. David, according to Acts 13, 36, served his generation by the will of God. Acts 13, 36 says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. What did David do? David proved that he was there. That verse I just read in Acts 13, 36 brings joy to my heart. You say, well, it says David fell asleep. He died. When I look at that, and I've said this before, when a child of God leaves this earth, when the breath of life leaves, it's as though they have fallen asleep. It's not something that uh, we should, uh, now, once again, we, always, we dread death, but we shouldn't in the sense that we know we're going to be with the one who's given us life. He not only gives us the breath of life now, he's given us eternal life right now. And I really like that when I see the word sleep, when it says that a child of God has fallen asleep. Because it's just as though we fall asleep in the arms of God and we wake up and we see his face. I want to see his face first before I see anyone else. I want to see my Savior's face. We fall asleep. And don't get the idea, as some would try to tell you, that when you die, that this means that you're just sleeping away, that you're just sleeping. No, the Bible tells us that we're more alive then than we ever have been in this life. We're awake, and we're serving God while we're there. We're praising God for Him saving our souls. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. This preacher prays for you. I know he does. He prays that uh, people, that God's people here would stand for the things of God and not compromise, but stand on the word of God that you might be there. Our Lord could say to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth. 
What else did he say? I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. John 17, 4. Did you know Jesus was always there? He was always there. He was always here to please the Father. And so should we. We should be in a position every moment of our lives of pleasing, uh, pleasing the Heavenly Father. God has a brook, Cherith, and Zarephath for you. It may be teaching Sunday school. It may be preaching. I don't know what God has for you. He knows. And if you'll let him, he'll show you. It may be singing in the choir. I remember that at one time, you know, it talks about, I'm, I've got a note here, it talks about working in children's church and so forth. I remember when I was uh, not, say, very long, I went to Bible school. I started studying through the Bible in two years. Some of the same thing at Brother, what's your name back here again, Brother? I know the big, the, the, uh, big Marine back there. Okay, Brother Workman, I know his name. I'm putting him on. But I was going through the Bible, and, and one of the Christian services that I chose to get into was working with young people. And one of the things I had to do was join in the games. Well, there was this game where you ran around and you ran into the middle to grab a bowling pin. You may, you may be familiar with that. I don't know. I got more familiar as I did that because I went around. I could run at that time, and I ran around. And just as I went in to grab that pin, I, I had it. I could see it. I had it, and just as I started to grab it, a young man went in front of me, and as I went down, he came up and gave me a shiner right there. Well, that wasn't the only thing that was the result of me getting hit in the eye like that. My other Christian service was singing in the choir, believe it or not. That's before they found out I couldn't sing. Okay, I was there. And I had the privilege of being seated behind the pastor as he would get up and preach. And when people viewed on national television, they would view me sitting right behind that pastor. And one person said, now what are you going to do? You're not going to go in there and you're not going to be in the choir now? You're not going to do this or do that? I said, well, I'm going to do what Brother Bonner wants me to do at the top of my head. He wants me to use powder up here, and I used a little powder on that eye. I sat behind the pastor. It's estimated that 15 million people watch that program every week. You say, well, what are you doing bragging about that? No, I'm letting you know that I was there. I didn't stop because of something happened to me. I kept going. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm simply saying that all of us need to be there, no matter what comes along in our lives. Amen. We need to be serving God. Jim Elliott said this, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. And when we look at the Great Commission, in the Great Commission, the account that we read there, we often overlook the setting of Matthew 28, 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Did you catch that word, appointed? The disciples were in the place of the divine appointing. Therefore, they received the divine appointment. When you're in the will of God, when you're trying to serve God, when you're in His Word, God's going to let you know things that you didn't think were possible. He's going to empower you to do the job that He has for you. This is the place of God's divine appointment for us right now as we're here. 
Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I cannot think of a better place to be other than here because here is our there right now. And bless God, don't you think this would be a good place for the rapture to take place? God could come back. He could, you know, Jesus could come back. He is God. Jesus could come back any moment and say, come up hither. We'd hear the trumpets. We wouldn't even look at the, what we're going to, Lord's will, start next Sunday in our Sunday school class because we would be with the Lord. There was also the place of God's power for Elijah. I do not believe the miracle of the ravens and the meal barrel would have occurred anywhere but there. Uh, men and women wonder why they never feel God's power or see any evidences of His working. I believe that it means it's they are out of His purpose, not in His will. And we say, what power Elijah had. We keep reading and we know that, that he had that, we call it a contest between the uh, those guys of Baal and how those priests and how that God uh, showed his strength by, by coming down as Elijah prayed those, I believe it was 63 words. What a man of power Elijah was. Well, let me say that Elijah had no more power in himself. He did not have power in himself. He was simply there in the place of power. When we look for power, we need to place our hand in the hand of God. We need to touch His hand because that's where the power comes from. It comes from God. A.W. Right. Tozer said this, God is looking for those with whom He can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. That fits the life of most Christians, I believe. Not That's sad, many Christians anyway. I remember some of the old saints that have gone on to be with the Lord. Some of them are still here. I remember uh, Dr. B.R. Lakin. Some of you young people don't even know who that is. Some of the older folks may not know who that is. Uh, B.R. Lakin, a man who grew up not far from where I was raised in West Virginia. He pastored a place called Cadle Tabernacle. He was also a circuit rider, but he pastored that large worked there and thousands of people came thousands of people got saved but he didn't quit there he kept going how did God use him why did God use him to be the pastor of that large work of Cato Tabernacle I'll tell you why he was there how did God keep using him throughout his life until he was I believe about 85 years old and he gave up the ghost and went to be with the Lord how did he do that he was there I think of C.H. Spurgeon how that that tabernacle that he preached at, that he was pastor of over there in England, how that how many people would, thousands of people would come to hear him, and how many thousands of young preacher boys today look at the notes of C.H. Spurgeon, and how many people, how many pastors who stand in the pulpit and use his quotes. Why would they do that? Because Spurgeon was there. He was there. He was in God's power. How could a woman write over 8,000 hymns, songs? How could a person like that work in rescue missions? How could a person like that be a poet? How could a person do all that and be blind? Fanny Crosby did it because she was there. 
How could a man, a pastor, who preached over 6,000 messages that can be downloaded online, how can Andy Bloom, how can he, how can he have preached over 6,000 messages that you can download online? How can he do that? Because he was there. How can Andy Bloom pastor this church for 35 years, 36 years, 36 years? How can he do that? Because he's there. Now, we see him over here, but he's there. He's there in God's power. God is using him. And God can use each one of us. Andy Bloom is a man. A man, I'm speaking to you. You're a man. God can use you if you want to be there. I'm not talking about necessarily being a pastor. I'm talking about doing what God wants you to do. Ladies, you certainly shouldn't be a pastor. But God can use you in many areas in church. He can use you to win souls, to win other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you see, we are nothing in ourselves. But when we are in the place of God's purpose, we have His power. Because the Bible says this, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. George Mueller had no power in himself. He was simply there. Hudson Taylor said he once thought God was looking for men strong enough to use, but he learned God was looking for men weak enough to use. When we realize that we're nothing without God, then God can use us. God can use anybody in this world. Now we keep looking, and we see things that took place in the life of Elijah. Think of the lad with the loaves and fishes. He didn't know what he had until Jesus took it and broke it and blessed it. And we don't know what we have until we give it to God and let Jesus Christ, let God take what we have and use it for His honor and His glory. Only when we are there in the place of God's purpose are we in the place of His power. Samson did many remarkable things, but he wasn't much. He didn't stay there. Samson got there at the end of his life. We know that by studying, by reading the account of him. And how awful it would be for you to get to the end of life to discover that God's purpose, to be there for his purpose, only to discover you could have been there all along. But you weren't there. See, preacher, has there ever been a time in your life when you wasn't there? You better believe it. But I got there. I came back to there. And if you've gotten away from the Lord, you can get back to there. Amen. Because God can use any of us. As long as we've got a breath in this body, God can use us. So often we seem to be yielded to God and living there, but inside there's rebellion. A mother told her son, you've probably heard this, told her son twice to sit down. And finally she made him sit down. He said, Mom, I may be sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. So many of us, we don't do things because we want to serve God. Sometimes we feel that we're forced to do the things of God. Rebellion is, is a sin of witchcraft according to the Word of God. Stubbornness, stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. We need to submit ourselves to God and let Him use us. Notice, there was the place of God's purpose. There was the place of God's power. And finally... 
There was the place of God's provision. We wonder how we're going to make it as things are going on. Let me make a confession right now, okay? Now, this may shock you. Now, before, after I say this, don't, don't jump to conclusions and don't go out and misrepresent what I'm about to say. I am an abortionist. Okay. Now, did that shock you? Now, I'm not for these people that want to kill unborn children. I'm not for these people that want to kill children who have been born. I believe that they need to be aborted. Those people who are doing that, I don't mean they need to be killed. I believe they need to be gotten out of power. I believe that those rascals in the government, those people who are running this country, they need to be aborted. Not killed, but gotten out of power. And I'm talking about not only Democrats and Republicans, independents or libertarians. I believe that if they're not standing for God, then they need to be gotten out of here. So I'm an abortionist in that sense. Not an abortionist in the sense that I kill, want to see children, children killed. Now let me say this while I'm on that. I've got a couple of minutes. As we think of that, Please do not fall for this trick of the devil. Someone will say, and, and if, you, if, you, if you said this, then I love you and, and I pray for you. But if you said this and, and you're listening on the internet or wherever you're at, and you say that I'm against abortion with the exception of rape and incest, it's still murder. It's still murder. And you need to stand up for what God says. You need to be there when someone confronts you with something like that and say, it's still murder. Do not give in to the tricks of the devil by making a compromise with God's word. God's word says it's murder. I don't care what it's about. As long as that child is alive in that woman, that child needs to stay alive unless God intervenes. There was the place of God's provision for Elijah. There would have been no bread, no flesh, no meal for Elijah anywhere else but there. Now notice this. God said, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The woman went from menial, picking up sticks to the miraculous. Elijah asked for a drink of water. It doesn't take much faith to give a drink of water. But then he said, fix me a morsel of bread, the first cake for him. And what, I'm, what, I, what I read in the Word of God, that was probably all they had at that time. But this woman listened to God just as Elijah had to listen to God by being there. It appeared that there would only be one cake. Here was a real test for the widow woman. Think of it. Think of what happened. We give God, think of this, we give God the crumbs of our life and not the cake like the woman did. She gave the cake. We oftentimes give the scraps and fragments, the leftovers of time, talent, thought, and money. When you think you can't go any further, you go a little bit further. You keep going. Don't let the devil knock you down. You be there. You be in God's power. Let God take care of you. Trust in God. Be there. 
when we are there, we are in the place of God's purpose, in the place of His power and provision. Are you there? And let me ask you, if you're listening, anyone, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not there. You can't be there until you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm tired of going my way. I'm ready to go your way because your way is the way to heaven. And I'm ready to accept you as my Lord and Savior. If you pray and ask God to forgive you, admit that you can't save yourself, repent. And that's what repentance is, is saying, God, I've changed my mind. I'm not going my way any longer. I can't get to heaven that way, but I want you to be my Savior. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. You were crucified, you were buried, and you resurrected on that third day. If you'll ask Jesus Christ into your heart, he'll save you according to the word of God. Get serious with God, and he'll get serious with you. Now, folks, we can all be there. First, by getting saved. Then, by listening to the word of God, by letting God work in our lives and in our hearts. We need to be there. there. Let's pray.